Welcome to the family with Alex Mary Bernard Rasmussen, Suzanne Pluchette, Candy <laughs> <laughs> Brant Bernard, <laughs> and Mike Bryant, and Suzanne Pluchette's sister. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, nice. Very, very nice. We'll be right back. Jeff Cesario will join us on the podcast. We're going to be talking Louis Anderson, Scott Hansen, Bob Saget, oh, Jeff Cesario. Somebody just showed up. Somebody in. just showed up. Kevlar's in, Scott huh? Scott Hansen died? No, yeah, Scott Hansen died a while ago. Oh, he did? Yeah. Meatloaf died. Meatloaf yeah. died. Meatloaf died. Yeah. And he's been railed on. Well, we'll get we'll get to it after Tevin settles in and we can get actually get the show started. He can't it's hear you. He, he is. He can't Damn it. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. We can. The Michael roads are Bryant. slick. The roads Bradshaw, are slick. Right? They're cold. People are sliding around. They're going too damn fast. So slow down. Give yourself time. You'll get there, and that way you'll be safe, and the other people you'll hit will be safe. Brad John Bright. Well, that was pretty quick. <laughs> what? That was your whole commercial? <laughs> yes. Bradshaw and Brian. Yes. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. They remade bum, bum. Talking about how they remade Fraggle Rock. What do you mean, what? I said, who remade Fraggle Rock? Uh, I don't know, it's on Apple TV. Uh, Apple I Television. It. We watched it with the kids this weekend because they've seen the old Fraggle Rock a few times. Right. Yeah. And they, um, we were just on Apple TV because the kids really like the show called Stillwater on Apple TV. Is it about Stillwater? Stillwater. It's about Stillwater, Minnesota. No, it's about a no. Buddhist panda that is named Stillwater. Oh, it's not the... the um, movie where he goes over and gets his daughter in France? Nope, not that one. Not that one. Oh, that's right. That's a still water. No, yeah. it's a Buddhist panda that like helps out his neighbor kids with everyday fiascos. Um, but yeah, and so we were on Apple TV and then it was like Fraggle Rock coming January 20th and Dan lost his mind. He was so excited. Fraggle Rock. Wow. We got Paulie on the phone briefly because we have to call Jeff Cesario. But, uh, Paulie. What's up, Paul? <clears throat> Paulie. Anybody? Yeah, that reminded me of that um, time Louie called in. He started talking he before he was... talked about your mom. <clears throat> oh, yeah, when, Jeff, when when Louis started crying when I brought up my mom and he started calling. Yeah, I started crying. I remember that. Paulie, don't yeah, you think that he, um, that, yeah. that, 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 that he was knew a, at the time? That was such a wonderful tribute that you gave to, to Louie on on, the, on Friday, I think it was, or whatever it was. It was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Friday. Um, 
Yeah, it was um, it was really beautiful, Tom. Well, it was very and, happy, uh, Paulie. Yeah, I'm it was tough. I can guarantee you that I I did choke up one time, but the but Brian and Candace stepped up and gave me the support, and I got through it. And then finally, I said, "I gotta go, man. I gotta go." I do. Uh, yep. We will miss him. Well, Andy and Alex don't know life without Louis Anderson. He's known them since they were little kids. That's yeah, true. Very, that is true. It's weird to. Well, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you say that because. Uh, he had a TV show called Life with Louis. Yeah. Yes, he should. Right. Yeah. About being a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, that's a great I, know. I just wanted to call in and thank you for the wonderful trip that they, they, you gave to Louis the other day. So, Paulie, you're a good um, man. Right, I appreciate you your call. Have a good day. All right, sir. thanks. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye. <clears throat> Well, he's going to make me tear up, damn you know, it. We'll I'm, Jeff I'm totally I'm still, I'm, I'm a little upset with Louis still. <laughs> but he died. <laughs> How dare no, you die? No, no. As soon dying? as he got on baskets, we started, started losing touch. He would call, he would used to call me all the time. And then when all he got on baskets, I remember it was like six months and I hadn't heard from him. And I'm like, what's wrong? So I texted him and I'm like, you know, what's going on? And he's like, oh, don't you know that when I'm working on a show, I don't talk to anybody? Hmm. And I said, Sassy. well, that sucks. <laughs> Why? He's like, I don't know. That's just how I am. Because I'm living over at, uh, who was the original producer that was wanking off? Oh, of that was, um, yeah. was Louis C.K. Louis C.K. Yep. Yep. I think Louis. he was living at Louis C.K.'s for the first year while they were trying to get it, get the show Would going. Would you want to sit and... down on anything over there? No. I <laughs> know. <laughs> well, that was before oh. all that happened. I well, think, that I think the baskets, big problem. <laughs> I think Baskets was two, year, two years old before that happened, two or three. And then there was a question if it was going to continue on mm -hmm. and all that I stuff. That. I and, yeah, and Louis got, uh, you know, he got kind of like a second second act or third mm -hmm. act or whatever yeah. you want yep. to call it with Baskets, which I was very happy for him because he, yep. he did a great job. He won the Emmy. It really revitalized his career. He was very happy working. He liked to work. I mean, before Baskets, he was kind of like, I don't know, maybe I should move back to Minnesota. There's just nothing happening for me anymore, you know, at my age. And it just, that's just how the show, how show business is. Mm -hmm. yes, and is. then he got Baskets. So it took him away from us, yeah. I feel. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, I was happy that he got it. Yeah. So I'm still a little mad at him. <laughs> we have Jeff on the phone. No, for not communicating. I'm going to do to Jeff what I did to him this morning on the morning show. You ready? Here we go. Cesario, huh? <laughs> Italian, huh? <laughs> Stick to the tumbling. God, I love that's one of my favorite lines of all time, and it's your you know, fault. It was, so, uh, it was such a great moment and such a great uh, anecdote that never loses its power that I actually wound up putting it on my my special, my album that got worked, I, think yes. I put it on there. I, I I said, this is the greatest moment I've ever had in show business. And I just told the anecdote, and the crowd just roared. They just went crazy. I got to tell you something, Mr. Cesario. I, got, I, can, I don't even know how many calls I got uh, the last hour of the show and after the show was over. People, you know, like moist-eyed and half a weeping call and saying that was the greatest tribute to anybody we've ever heard. You and Jeff Cesario just nailed it. So congratulations, oh, that's, sir. That's yeah. awfully sweet. So let's screw that all up right now. Yeah, we'll do that now. We'll screw it up now. <laughs> hey, you talk about a second act. 
Come mm. on, where's mine? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is it right now. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's a great point uh, that, uh, that Lou got a second, uh, second, second whack at, at sort of top shelf um, um, heat. Yeah. I would put it that way. And, uh, and you know, Louis was, as we talked this morning, you know, the, the Louis I loved was, was a raconteur. He, he, you know, he's the sweetest guy on the planet and hugely emotional and connective and everything else. But, you know, I, I talked to him right after that, and he said, I, I'm grabbing this seat, and I'm moving on it. I'm going to try to produce some things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can't get, you know, a game show of my own going. You know, he he always understood the business. So, you know, there's a beautiful uh, uh, sort of Disney side to that second act, which is here's a guy who deserves uh, a shot to be a great actor, got it, and then delivered. And it's a wonderful, warm story. But there's another side of it that's equally as entertaining and fulfilling, which is you get a shot regardless of your age, Take that power base and turn it around and jam it down their throats for a couple of years. They've been doing it. They've been doing it to us for the last two decades, however long. It's you know. True. So take advantage of it, man. You know, Jeff. We just, uh, like I said, lost Scott Hansen. We lose Bob Saget. You came on. Thank, uh, thank you for coming on KQ then as well. Now we lose the three beat. Then Louis Anderson. My God, it's you and me, and that's it. Yeah, it's down. It's down to that. Uh, I, you know, I think Tom Treason is still alive. I'm not sure. He is. Yeah, I just talked to him a couple months ago. He's a great guy. He's a great yeah, guy. Sure. He's, he's yeah. He's a super super dude. But yeah, we're just getting to that age where uh, you know we got to be aware of those friendships and um, you know yes. at least yep. do the man version of of saying hello and a big hug every time you see someone or giving them a call during a ball game or, or texting them mm-hmm. and saying, you know, what the hell was that play? Isn't that amazing? Just been thinking about you, that kind of thing, because you just don't know. I mean, you never know when, uh, <laughs> when uh, you never know when uh, one of our wives is going to just shove us down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, come on. Don't listen to Kathleen. Listen to who listen is Listen to Suzanne Plachette. Suzanne Plachette voice. Suzanne Plachette disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Who knows? More it likely, I'll flip down the stairs myself. I uh, I've been doing a joke on the uh, you know the last they came out with a study where the last thing uh, that that you hear or that people who People who are in a position where they might pass away, they're on a plane that looks like it's going to crash, they're mm-hmm. in a bad car crash, something like that. The last thing that uh, they'll often hear is, is, I love you. And I said, oh. well, you know, if you're married, the last thing, and you're a guy, the last thing you're going to hear is, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> That's the last thing you're going to hear. If I'm spinning out on some black ice... Headed for a bridge abutment. My wife's not going to let me forget it. <laughs> no, no, that's very, very true. It's very true. No, I, I tell you, honestly, God, the, the thing that upsets me—it's not, you know, 
I guess it's not uh, important to you, but to me, uh, i got to tell you, I just named three guys who were all three younger than me, which I'm not real <laughs> yeah. happy about. <laughs> I will right, tell you yeah, that. no. Like, man. Yeah, I yeah. know that feeling. That's like, uh, don't back off the Crestor. <laughs> that Lipitor, buddy. <laughs> the Lipitor. <laughs> you know. Jeff, did you uh, did you get a chance to read funny things uh, about Minnesota? The book I about- haven't yet. That's the book that uh, they talked to Joel and I. Uh, Joel Madison and I, I think, did our interviews together. We just uh, uh, the guy came out. So I, I I am not sure how much he was able to use or. Or anything, but I haven't had a chance to read the full book yet. No. Okay, because he he goes through a lot in the history of you know comedy in Minnesota, and and it's it's interesting. You're in there a lot, um, but it's just interesting. I'm just wondering how overall accurate it is as far as you know all the different versions that are in there. Well, you know, I don't know because I haven't read it, but uh, you know, I liked uh, the way he conducted the interview and uh, and the, the the excerpts that he sent Joel and I. Uh, it w- were really good, and it was nice of him to do that, so that if there was an inaccuracy or at least something in dispute, we could uh, we could toss our our version into the ring. But uh, it's a hell of a story, yeah. you know. Uh, it's a, it's an incredibly small market at the uh, at the complete explosion of comedy nationally, and uh, and yet it's batting about 500%, if not higher. I mean, the people who came out of that first wave of Minneapolis comics, it's pretty stunning. You got Joel Hodgson, who's who's quite frankly a a genius. You know, he was just, he was was a performance artist who was actually funny. You know what I mean? He's like an artist. He's like your artist friend. When you walk over their house and their kitchen's loaded with half-painted paintings, and you just go... Well, that's him. You know, <laughs> you know th- that's who he was. Except everything he did was hilarious. Then there's Liz Winstead, who goes off and creates the freaking Daily Show for me, right. which is completely right. redefined the way we approach news and comedy. You know, then there's Louis, uh, who you know had a, such an incredible career. There, there's me, who went on picked up a couple of Emmys with Dennis Miller Live and worked with Shandling and. Went on to work with Latifah and wrote some movies and stuff. Then you got Joel Madison and Sid Youngers, who went on to help shape Roseanne and then moved into, I mean, Sid, Sid is still working. Last Man Standing, the Tim Allen thing, he's on that. Uh, Joel created uh, Malcolm and Eddie. He's moved on, you know, and, and, and continued to write. Uh, you know, there's uh, Mike Gandolfi who came out here and wrote oh, yes. like crazy on staff. Uh, you know, at various shows, there, there's just, it, it goes on and on. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of comedians who came out of there and just really, really put the pedal to the metal. And there's other scenes, we talk, We touched on this a little bit this morning, there's other scenes at that nexus in the early 80s that were smaller, but were tremendous. Uh, uh, Detroit had a great scene that, you know, produced uh, uh, Tim Allen and Dave Coulier and several other guys. There was Houston, that incredible scene that produced Kinnison and, and so many, and Carl LeBeau and so many other great comics. Uh, but, you know, there was that added element in Minneapolis where the city itself was kind of blowing up at the same time. 
Prince was coming on. Uh, you know, uh, uh, other rock and roll acts were popping in the city. You know, it was happening musically. From an art standpoint, it was crushing. You know, suddenly the Guthrie Theater, the museums were killing it nationally. People were going, this is a great town. you got to move to Minneapolis. It's the hippest town on the planet. So we had that extra, extra kick in the ass from the zeitgeist standpoint. And I think, uh, you know, the comics made the most of it. You know, they really did. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about. It. Why do you think that is? Because in general, uh, there are there's a side of Minnesota, and I've always talked about this. There are two Minnesotas. There are the nice people and the people who think they're the greatest thing on earth, and you don't measure up. And there's nobody in between. There's like really nice people and massive pains in the ass. It's it's amazing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, that's kind of true. It's it's very interesting. Um, I think there was just you can't explain it. That that's what uh, you know. That's what these things are. These waves that crest. It's just right place, right time, right chemistry, mm-hmm. right mix of people. You know, if they don't get uh, a completely acerbic New Yorker like Jeff Gerbino to come in in '79 or whenever mm-hmm. he hit town, uh, you know, and push these guys like Scott Hansen and Louie and Alex Cole, and, and sort of just push them from a completely straight-up competitive uh, angle and make everybody better, who knows? You know, if if Bill Bauer doesn't come along <laughs> at that time, what other scenes had Bill Bowers in them? You know, Bill Bauer was, in a sense, Kinnison pre-Kinnison. You yeah, know, he, he was, was just... Yep. <clears throat> he, he was dark... But it never struck you as evil. It was just, uh, it was just crazy dark. <laughs> you know, he, he he never approached a, a premise like anybody else on the planet. He was completely unique and different. So now you've got that element in there. But now you've got these guys who are all sniping at each other's asses, trying to carve out as much of the Mickey Finn's door money as they can. Which was pathetic, you know. <laughs> it was no like money $12. at all. But that's where the yeah. And the only one who was popping out to do other work was Alex Cole, who managed to get, you know, a lawyer and an agent. And he was doing colleges and opening for rock bands and stuff. So he kind of had his own thing going. Everybody else was left to pick up the crumbs. Then the heat started to hit on the scene. Then it really started, uh-oh, we're getting return business. There's only 45 frickin' seats in Mickey Finn. People are coming <laughs> back the very next week going, we saw that bit last week. And right then, new blood hits with, with Joel and me. And, the, and the, the, the secondary blood that was already in there, the Gary Johnsons, the Chris Raines, those comics, they started to get more stage time. And, and and then this new blood came in, and, you know, I was there literally, Tom, three weeks. And they said, all right, you're working every weekend. Come in with new material. Ooh, wow. And I was like, holy crap. And then within 10 months, Louie had created the Minneapolis Comedy All-Stars. Right, the All-Stars, and, yeah. and we popped at Dudley Riggs, and that was a huge chance. And it paid off because Louis dumped every ounce of energy he had into that to make it work. Because not because he was, you know, uh, a giving, sensitive human. 
it was because he was like, man, we are chopping up $33 a week at Finn's. we got to get some money, man. <laughs> this is go. bullshit. I want to move to L.A. Let's get this going. And he knew he was the only one with the moxie and the street smarts to pull that together. So he got Cole. That was a key piece for him. He said, all right, I need another big swinger in town, and that's Alex. I can talk Alex into it. Then I need two young guys to come in. Who's, who's, the, who's the young guys in town who are going to keep writing and keep cranking new material? Cesario, plus Cesario knows how to write a damn press release, <laughs> even though he doesn't know how to talk to a human being. He's so freaking <laughs> fractured emotionally. So I'll pick him up, and, and Madison will keep going because – because he's Jewish, he'll help me out on the business side, and he'll be able to work the booth, because that way I don't have to pay somebody for the booth. Now i got to go sell Dudley. He pulled it all together, made it work, and boom, I'm a year into stand-up comedy. One year into stand-up comedy, I'm getting two and a half hours of stage time a week. Wow. People would kill for that to this day. And nobody had a phone that could take a goddamn movie, so you could make a lot of your mistakes in the complete <laughs> privacy of a seven-person crowd. <laughs> you know, and nobody's going to believe the guy who goes back to work and says, I can't believe this comic kicked a drink in my lap. You know, nobody would believe him anyway. So, so we made all those errors and all those mistakes uh, on, our, on our own time. In a great environment, Minneapolis was a great town for comedy because they would not let you. They, you got one pass, one cheap joke. Everybody would laugh and go, okay, cool. Now where's the real stuff coming from? And if you went to more cheap jokes, they didn't, they didn't buy it. They wanted to hear good stuff. It was a good comedy town. So you had to work hard for it. And, uh, and that, was the, that was the alchemy that became the Minneapolis comedy scene uh, of the early 80s, and then hopefully laid the groundwork for another generation to come out. And it's still going. I mean, there's great comics, Pete Fox and Cy Amundsen, and there's, there's, there's guys all over that town uh, that, that, are, that are just killing it, man. What's you know, it, it's still a great comedy scene. Still a great comedy. The only, you know, the downside to that was we were so far off the beaten path that we didn't get national headliners. So, you know, when I was there, nobody came through town. Scott Hansen was the guy in the mm -hmm. mid-'80s who used right. the impetus to bring Louie back, bring me back when I was starting to do Tonight Shows and stuff like that. And that created an environment where national headliners were like, hey, we got to put Minneapolis on the schedule, man. They're, they're crowds are killing. They're selling shows out. So he was the guy who did that when we started – the only guy who came through was Rich Scheidner, and, uh, and he came through and he killed. And we were all like, holy smokes, this guy has a whole other different approach. So that was great, but he was Louie and him were the only two guys I knew uh, when I moved to Los Angeles. <laughs> so, oh, you my know, God. The upside is you're ready to go if you can crowbar your way on stage people in the back of the room, even if there's only three people in the crowd, the people that count in the back of the room, the comics, the bookers, they're all going to go, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. But getting that, getting that crowbar on the stage could be hard if you hadn't worked with people on the road. You hadn't been in Atlanta working with Jeff Foxworthy or middling for Seinfeld 
or working with any of the New York comics out in Boston or out east anywhere. So you really had to work extra hard. And, and uh, But we did it. And, and, and Louie did it first and then helped me get into the comedy store, which helped me get into the improv, which is where I wound up working mostly. And then uh, the, the, and Hodgson was already out here killing it. So that first wave, the three of us especially, I think, really hopefully helped the next guys, even if it was just crashing on the couch for as long as you needed. And uh, it, it was heady times, man. It was, was fun. Was the All-Star name very controversial when Louis created it? Was the what? With the All Star name, calling it that group All Stars with Dudley Rigg. Oh yeah. Because the book, the yeah. book kind of talks a little bit about it, and then they got the Louis part kind of soft soaps it a little bit, like oh, we didn't mean All Stars, like real great All Stars. Right. But it seemed like it would be a big deal to name something All Stars. Oh, everybody hated us. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Wow. They hated us, especially me and Joel, because. They couldn't say anything to, to Louie or Al because they oh. were the two best comics in town. Okay. You know, there, there's no doubt about it. Hanson is a, was a great comic and a great writer, but already Scott's head was sort of into, I want to open a room. And within, within a year of that, he'd opened uh, the, the cabaret right. uh, on, on, you know, uh, near Uptown there. So he'd, his... Creative muse was already moving him a slightly different way, so there's no doubt about it. Uh, 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 Louis Anderson and Alex Cole were the two top dogs in town. Then they get the two of us, and and then it was like like uh, you know Louis said we need a name, we need a snappy name, and I don't know how it came up. Mm -hmm. I don't know who thought of it. We started kicking it around. We went Minneapolis Comedy All Stars, and we went. Well, that's a great hook. That's a great way to put it, you know. Let's do it and see what happens. And then <laughs> I think to Joel's credit and to my credit, we, we, we you know how like when you elect a president, uh, especially one you don't like, you go, well, maybe he'll grow into the job. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we all think that, you know. And, yeah. and I think that yeah. the, the last George Bush is the greatest example of that. Everybody, even Republicans, went, yeah, all right, well, you know, maybe he'll grow. And he, and he did. You know, 9-11 happened, and he kind of stepped up to the plate there, and he kind of grew into it. And I think that's what Joel and I did. We, we, we grew into the billing of it. And, and you know, I, I don't think my track record uh, is going to do anything but uphold uh, the name Minneapolis Comedy All-Star. You know, I think I went on pretty quickly to do uh, Los Angeles and then a couple of Letterman's and then a string of Tonight shows. So um, I, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm one of the one of the better comics out of that scene. And and Joel, you know, his muse moved him more in a writing way. But bam, he helped shape Roseanne, which completely revolutionized yeah. the way people did sitcoms. So you know, pissed on a local level, yes. But I think if you <laughs> ask any of those guys now. Uh, they would all go, you know, yeah. It was a marketing hook, and it worked for them. And then, and then, uh, and then they proved that billing was accurate by having tremendous careers. No, no. Do you have a little more time, Jeff? Because I have to take a, about a two-minute break. But I want to come yeah. back because there's another part of this that happened, and I personally didn't know that it was true. But we just found out, and you know. Michael Bryan knows what because it's in the book. 
Uh, we'll be back in two minutes more with Jeff Cesario and another element of that whole business that blew up because of Mickey Finns. There's no doubt about it. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender? Tom here to tell you that MyPillow is the best and getting better. MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell has an amazing offer on MyPillow towels, 100% USA cotton, originally $109.99, and now a flash sale for $39.99. For a limited time and 60-day money-back guarantee, head to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials. Promo code KQRS. Get this great offer and check out the deep discounts on other products. MyPillow.com, enter promo code KQRS. MyPillow.com, promo code KQRS. AQRS. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, talking about Louis Anderson, about Scott Hansen, about Bob Saget. Right now we're talking a lot about the Louis Anderson part of it and Scott Hansen part of it, Jeff Cesario with us. Um, there was another thing that I didn't even know. I just assumed that it was, you know, nationwide. I, I don't know why I didn't know this, but... Because of Mickey Finns, because of all the things you were talking about, uh, Mr. Cesario, the KQ Morning Show started inviting comedy uh, comedians in on Fridays, and they would come in and do a show. And I did not know this, but that had never happened anywhere in America before. For Christ, I, I didn't. That morning shows did not have unknown. You know, they'd have the Bob Hopes of the world on, you know, right. more as an actor than a comedian. But morning shows in America didn't have comedians on, which I, I didn't even know that was true. It was just a, such a natural for me. I went, let's get some comedians yeah. there. We got a bunch of guys over at Mickey Finn's, and, and it changed everything. And the book, uh, you know, my, Michael Bryan pointed out, the book brings that up. And until then, I just assumed everybody did it. Well, I think I there's a know. pretty obvious explanation. What? Morning show. When I think comedian, I don't think morning rises. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can, I can confirm as, yeah. as working at a comedy club, trying yeah. to get comedians oh up to a eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock yeah. interview is like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Even sometimes on the yeah, podcast, they're, 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 they'd come in and they were like, "It's really oh. early for me." I'm like, "It is and, one." Yeah. And every every single one of them goes, "Well, can I just do it remotely? Like, yeah, have, like, like just get out of bed and let's go." Oh my god. Yeah, that's really true, but what a great instinct. And again, I think that's part of that sort of creative explosion that, uh, you know, that zeitgeist, which is, you know, the definition of that. I had to look it up because I was kicking it around. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's honestly like, like uh, uh, that's the Dennis Miller in me. Use the term first, then go figure out what the hell it means. Yeah, uh, there you go. There you go. 
but but you know it really does mean a, a an external force that that has an effect on a time and a place in history and there was just something in the air back then. Who knows why you did that, Tom? Who knows why in 81 or whatever you said, you know what, let me have a couple of these guys on and see what happens. And then that starts to grow. And then all of yeah. a sudden, everybody in town goes, hey, man, you got to get on Bernard. Oh, you're not getting on Bernard. There's no way you're getting on Bernard. <laughs> and, you know, then it becomes a thing. Then then the guy, then the national acts who start to come through town go, well, let, why, how, how come I'm not doing that? Let's boost the gate at the door. Then all yep. of a sudden, you, they're knocking on your door to come on in and do some time. And, yeah, they'll make all the jokes they want about it being 7.43 a.m., but they're there, <laughs> and they're cranking A material because they want masses in the seats. And all of a sudden, there's this whole other <clears throat> element to the creativity in Minneapolis in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And... That helps shoot you through. You're doing your thing. You're coming up with a with a, a family of people, entertainers, uh, staff that you can rely on for a joke here or there. Someone you know you can tease on a constant basis. Who's the best sidekick? Let me figure this. You're you're right. creating that alchemy, and at the same time, this other element comes in. And I, I'm sure you didn't sit down and go, let me let me mull and ponder <laughs> the no, You just it's went. Not me. Uh, shit, bring Scott in for a couple of minutes. We'll see what happens. You know exactly. And, and, and then it rolls. It just creates its own momentum, and suddenly you're the hottest thing in the country on so many levels as a city, as a radio show, as a comedy scene, as a music scene, and and it's all just there on a silver platter. And you just you try not to think about it because you don't want to be the one who who karmically pops. The, the, uh, bursts the bubble. You just want to keep riding it. You know, you just keep riding that wave. No question. About it. I got to give credit where credit is due. However, I figured back then, and again, I just talked about watching an, an episode of 1981 when Rodney Fool was on the Tonight Show. But I literally sat there and went, "Well, this is a radio show, but hey, you know what? If comedians are good enough for Johnny Carson, they're good enough for me. <laughs> you know what I mean?" Right, I mean, literally, yeah. Literally, that's what I thought. It's like, Johnny does it, why don't we do it? And then you get into that whole vibe of, much like they do on the talk shows, uh, it's well hidden because not that many comedians go over to a couch, regardless of the talk show, right. and do a set right. from there. And <laughs> television is much more conservative, so they want to make sure you have bullet points so that thing stays on the rails. But the thing I always loved about coming into your show was, for me, I could breathe. Yeah, you guys had two or three areas. It was always, you know, every other place, almost every other place in the country that I wound up going to when I was doing the road heavy in the 80s and 90s was, what are your bullet points? You're giving them bullet points. Then (laughs) if you, you know, if you sense the, the DJ is, has a little bit of something, maybe a try and go off off the beaten path a little bit and see what happens. But I believe I had done your show once before I left town. And that kind of broke the ice because we knew each other a little bit and it went well. And then when I would whenever I would come back it was like get him in. And then it was like, is he here already? We'll have him come in early for this segment and let him sit around and roast this poor bastard. <laughs> He's coming in. 
trying to push some new snowblower or some crap. Who knows? You know, but it became like, oh, Cesario will eat this up. Here, you know, we got somebody who brought donuts in free, but they're the worst donuts on the planet. Cesario's here, bring them in. You know, and I, I loved that. I loved that because it was not the usual bullet point crap. It was like, let's create something here in the room. You know, yeah, and that, that was so much fun. Does that intimidate people too much when, when, when guys at your level of comedy come in? Are they just intimidated? They're so scared they don't want to talk? I don't know. I, I don't know why they wouldn't. My God. It was great. <laughs> really? You want to go in and do the same eight jokes you just did at the last radio show? What are you freaking nuts? Have a ball. <laughs> exactly. You know, there are some people who, who have that muscle. And there are some who just don't, and you know who they are because you've had them all through. You know the guys who can, you know the Dana Goulds of the world who are going to sit in and go, if you touch that bullet point list, I'm going to come in the glass booth and kill you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, read the news and let's get going. Like, give me stuff. Give me new stuff. And and then there are there are people who don't respond to that and and you know you respect them because you've got to deal with the clubs in town and you want them to come in and be funny and do their thing and then get out of right. there. But you know instantly what that is. You can sense instantly, Tom. I'm sure that's the muscles you built up over such a mm-hmm. tremendous career. If you know instantly, all right, he's not he can't play. Uh, I will just right. feed him gently these bullet points. And I'll step out, and I'll give him the stage and make him sound great so that at the end of it I can go, he's at Joe Blow's club, you know. He's killing it. Go down and see him. He's great, you know, because you're a pro. Um, you know, you know, you don't go in and bust their balls. You just go, okay, here's that. That's, that's who this person is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay with that. So I have no excuse for Rich Hall, then, as it was Rich Hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened with Rich? That's he went guy. and... Went in Studio B uh, to promote, I believe he was at, uh, I can't remember if he was at the Mall of America. I think he was Mall of America. It was the Mall of America. Mm -hmm. Uh, Came on the show, we go to him, and he never talked. He just sat there at the mic, open mic, reading a book. Yep. Wow. Did he not know he was on? Or? <laughs> oh, he knew. He just was a prick. Was he a was total a pain in the ass. Dude. A lot of ticket Jeff, sales that weekend. I, bet. I, I got one other question from the book. I, let me just finish what I'm oh, saying. Go okay? ahead. Sorry. And then you can jump in. Yeah. So I said, look, I understand I'm not as interesting as Sniglets, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> and he did not think that was funny at all. But I did. Oh, but, but that's, sometimes you got to. I mean, you know, yep. you, you see it rarely on a national stage once uh, Letterman was a little more free with that muscle than anybody else. Yep. But sometimes you got, sometimes, you know, you gotta, you gotta throw a jab to the face and then hit him in the ribs just to go, dude, you know, I cannot carry all this weight myself, Indeed. you know, and, uh, and, uh, I'm sure you parse that out very, very carefully but when you did, you knew, you knew somebody needed it. He did need it, and I then I kind of stood up to make sure that uh, he, <laughs> he needed to leave. Time to go. Anyway, Michael, you had a, you had a question. What, one last question from the book. Did you ever do the Chinese restaurant the, the when, they had, uh, when they had it set up for the shows from the restaurant down on 494? Oh, Howard Wong's. Oh, man, I 
don't know. I honestly can't remember. I know I did a place uh, right on campus that was in the basement, uh, and I know I did um, a jazz club on 494 when I opened for Ben Sidron, uh, and I got that oh gift to the Peterson Boys. I got that was my first opening gig ever, really. Uh, was uh, uh, what, uh, I had befriended the Petersons, all of whom are just unbelievable musicians, Ricky and they Paul are. and yep. Billy and and, uh, and Patty and the whole family's insane, uh, you know. And but they got killer senses of humor, so we would just hang around and I'd, I'd crush them because at the time I was still doing a little bit of playing when I first got to Minneapolis, did some studio work on congas and Latin hand percussions and stuff, and that's how I met those guys, and we became fast friends. So I did a jazz club out there, um, and uh, those are really the only uh, aberrations I can remember that wasn't either Mickey Finn's or Dudley Riggs. I'm sure I did a bunch of places, but I just can't remember them. Okay. You know, i got to throw something very quick. You know Ricky Peterson. I love Ricky Peterson. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did a, a song. Uh, I did a song with him called "King oh, yeah, of the World." Yeah, the, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> that's it. That's the one. I'm pretty. Yeah, that's I'm a great so song. So pretty. But here's yeah, my favorite thing. And that was on thing. the soundtrack for uh, Hoop Dream. Yeah, exactly. We did. Yeah, they used a little bit of that in Hoop Dream. Never got a check for it, but you know, <laughs> let me tell you. When I was like, uh, anyway, um, my favorite story: Ricky Peterson comes in the studio one day. And he goes, "Tommy, I got to tell you something. I was so embarrassed." I said, "What's the matter?" He said, "I want a tour of Japan." Okay, we flew over to Japan, and we get there and uh, get off the plane, and it's pretty damn cold out. He said, "I, I thought it was going to be a lot warmer than it actually was, but it was really, it was really cold." And he said, I, I literally was not focused on where I was, what I was doing. They brought me into a radio station, an English-language radio station in <coughs> Japan, to do an interview, right? Uh -huh. And Ricky says, here's what he does. He sits down, and the guy says to him, oh, well, welcome to Japan. How, how, uh, what do you think of Japan so far? And he said, on the air, oh, there's a little nip in the air. <laughs> <laughs> And he went, oh, my. Oh, and he didn't mean to do it. He didn't mean to do right, it. Right, right. He just said it because there was a little nip in the air. It was cold. There's a little. He sure. said the guy looked at him like he wanted to kill him. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Those guys are funny, man. I mean, musicians oh, are God, the funniest yes. people in the world. I've yep. had some of the greatest times in my life with those guys. They're great. Yeah, so I would say probably, even though I haven't read the book, it sounds like, uh, you know, the dude's right on the money. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's a great book. It was a good, it's well worth the time. Nice it's a great book. Yep. It good, is indeed. good. Yeah, that well, story should be told. All right, let's talk again more about your wife giving me dirty looks every time I see her. <laughs> Never. Not a dirty look. Just, <laughs> I think it's a question of having heard your voice growing up. Oh, yeah, and, you know, and 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 then never being able to put a face to it, you know, it may not be the face she had envisioned. Oh well, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Boy, look at the time. <laughs> well, hang on, I thought that was pretty tactful. <laughs> I thought, actually, in general, yes, I I must agree. There's no question. But what the hell? I just. <laughs> No, but I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, when you hear a great voice and, and then you, in your head you've got something in your head, so maybe that's it. But, but you know, I think it's mostly 
you know, mostly just teasing you back. Probably true, it. but let me tell you something. You know how much it means to me that you reached out uh, a few times now and helped me through these things because I needed help getting through this Louie thing. I can guarantee you that, Jeff. I needed help. Well, I kind of figured, I mean, you know, we were all around, like I say, you know, there, there's, a, you know, I, I hate to make military comparisons because that's such a different ball game, but it is a bit of a figure of speech now. It, it, it was a foxhole in a way, mm-hmm. you know. We were living through an amazing time, and it, you know what it's like. It's like a plane, and, and you don't have a pilot, and everybody just takes turns flying the damn thing because yeah. it's going, a, you know, a thousand miles an hour, and it's moving forward, and it's going somewhere great. And, but, you know, you don't know where or what it is, but it's just like, let's ride this baby. And we were in that plane together. You know, all the comics, you, uh, you know, your crew, uh, the musicians, there was just such a crazy-ass energy there. It literally crackled. And, and, and then to be in a place in our lives where we've gotten so many great things, all of us, Lived through pain and heartache too, but I mean, you know, we've had some wonderful lives all over. And then, oh, God, you know, one yes. of you passes away, you, you got to think to yourself, okay, we're at this stage now. This is the stage we're at. Let's readjust. Let's enjoy what we can of it, um, and let's get a, a dark, funny sense of humor about it, and let's relive the good times and 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 go out, go out in a blaze of glory, man. I think that's the only only route to take. And you know what you were just talking about? That, that's what I, I try to focus on, you know, because, I mean, let's be honest. Television, radio, and newspapers are going away. They got about another local TV and radio and, and newspapers have about maybe five more years left, and they'll all just disappear. There's nobody coming up right. underneath. Matter of fact, they have to invent listeners under 40 because nobody under 40 listens to the radio. So that could never right. happen again. That will never happen again. What what you and Louie right. and all the people around me did, it'll never happen again because radio's not big enough to do it anymore. Yeah, and and things change. I, I had a quite a jolt of hope. I saw a kid on uh, TikTok. I saw him interviewed somewhere else, uh, and I don't remember his name. He has an Arabic name. Uh, and... He, he does these funny 15-second comedy videos, and, you know, I always keep an open mind to that, only because that's the language of 25-year-olds right now, it, trying to make it in comedy is, you know, forget stage time. You know, I mean, they'll put out albums that are half-developed, half yeah. only because you have to have an album out every year or you don't have a following. So it's a whole different ballgame. But this kid was hilarious. I can't remember his name, but he's got like a million followers. He's making incredible coin. His goal is to make hilarious movies and be in them. He's got a great dream. And he does these 50 second things that are, I mean, he did a thing where he pulls up at one of those places where they bring food out to your car, you know, like, uh, like, like window service, you know, they're going to hang a tray on your car, burgers or whatever. And the guy comes careening out of the restaurant and just crashes all the food right into the guy into the guy's lap. <laughs> I mean, you know, he clearly has a sense of comedy that goes back to frickin' Buster Keaton. Yeah. You know, and he's he's twenty four and I'm thinking, Okay, 
this can live in its heart and soul. Comedy will live in in the heart and soul of other comedians if people like this continue to do comedy. And then the, the flotsam and jetsam washes away, and we got the tried and true still. Regardless of the platform on which it's delivered, it's still literally a Coke in the lap, and then water hit his girlfriend in the passenger seat. You know, you only got 15 seconds to tell a story. And the girlfriend was hot. And then she looks up, and it's a guy in a wig. <laughs> because, <laughs> because water hit her, and she was like some sort of vampire. But, I mean, all this happened in 15 seconds, and it was hilarious. And I thought, okay, we're in good hands if people like this can keep doing comedy. No doubt. I tell you one thing, you know, to have you on this, this morning and then come on the podcast as well and in 10 minutes, Kostaki Economopoulos, one of my favorite people in the world, is going to be on. More like, yeah, I need, he's great. I need lots and lots of laughing and great stories and looking back at, we did achieve a lot, Pally. Over the, no, i got to ask, because I know you only got about one more minute, but Andy and Alex, what, what was it like growing up in that whole era? I mean, you didn't know any different because this was going on and you just kind of thought that's how life was but I mean that'd be pretty exciting to be meeting people and then all of a sudden you'd watch TV or go to a movie and there they'd be and you you already knew did that feel weird or was it just normal for you it was just how it was yeah you know when it's something's the way that it's been since you were born you don't really know that's any true. different yep exactly uh Jeff, I can't tell you how much uh, gratitude I have for what you've done over the years. I, I love hanging out with you. We got to get out and play some golf again, man. We got to do it, no doubt about it. We I do. haven't played and in two years. Oh man, we got to get out. Let me tell you something before I leave. Those North American Bank guys are a half an inch from a Dave Thomas Rick Moranis sketch. They <laughs> are great. They're awesome. <laughs> I heard that commercial. I immediately wanted to invest money with them. I, I did. Bilski's a great guy. So great. Uh, one of the you listeners wants to know if uh, you wanted to pick you up some tenudas or some broad stop. <laughs> oh man! If somebody's going to be there, tenudas all the way. Uh, you know, the broad stop's great, but tenudas. Uh, or uh, I've often said this. Here's how Italian uh, Kenosha was when I was growing up. Mars Cheese Castle on the west side of town. People think it's named after the planet. It's named after a guy named Mario. Okay, mm. that's oh. Mars. <laughs> that's your Mars right there, baby. Exactly. Come to town yeah, soon. I got you, your Mars right here. You got to come to town very, very soon, Pally. I do. Say hi to Kostaki. I just had him on on my uh, Chet Waterhouse podcast, Play with Pain, and he was great. He's just oh, loaded with so many good jokes guy. in the last part. Thank you, sir. Right, and say friend. hello to your lovely wife for Thank me. Thank you. You got a chin to the wind, guys. Chin to the wind. wind. Jeff Cesario, ladies and gentlemen, one of the best in the business. We'll take a break. Be right back. Kostaki will join us in about five, ten minutes, something like that. We'll be back.